Hello, it is Monday, November 9th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And here are the topics for today. Conor McGregor is confused or delusional about what a knockdown is. I'll explain why. Give the video a thumbs up. If Conor McGregor is actually being denied fights by the UFC, he might have some recourse and... I don't know if he is being denied those fights, but it would be interesting to find out and interesting to see what he can do with his contract if he is being denied fights by the UFC. Will the ESPN layoffs affect the UFC? Not in a layoff kind of way, but I do think it could bump the quality of the UFC fight cards up, and I'll explain why. Now, on with the show. One would think that UFC fighters would understand scoring and know what is what. So one of the easier things to score in the UFC is a knockdown. But if you score a UFC or an MMA knockdown, same as you score a boxing knockdown, you're going to be wrong. Just as if you score a UFC or MMA takedown, the same as a wrestling takedown, you're going to be wrong. Because there's certain other things that are scored in MMA that aren't scored in wrestling or in boxing. So why am I saying this? Because uh, last week, Conor McGregor, seem to get a little lost in the scoring criteria. So on November 3rd, in his Eddie Alvarez fight, he so he wrote, this is on Twitter, Strangely, this knockdown, the fourth of five in this bout, wasn't scored a knockdown, yet he went to a knee. Three point of contact equals night knockdown. With the score, I would have not only the record for fastest KO in a UFC title fight, I'd have the record for most knockdowns in one two. Not a knockdown. This is one of the mo- more obvious not a knockdowns in, in that I can recall in UFC. Alvarez is on his knee for a millisecond. It, it, I don't even think it'd be a flash knockdown. He might have been off balance looking at this because he had just swung. But it definitely 100% is not a knockdown in the UFC. To be, to be a knockdown in the UFC, you have to go down and stay down for a decent amount of time. Now, decent is not a good definition, but... You have to go down and clearly be knocked down. If you go down, hit your butt, bounce right back up, flash knockdown, not a knockdown. If you just hit a knee, that's definitely not a knockdown. Unless you hit a knee and kind of stay down there for a second. But Alvarez knocked down for nearly, nearly enough time for that to be scored a knockdown. And what makes this funnier, I think to me, is that his next tweet, someone said, someone tweeted at McGregor, Yo, I just watched your fight with Holloway back and noticed this. Is this a knockdown or not? Nah? And basically, McGregor hits, I think, he, does he hit his knee? No, but he hits a hand, which more or less is the same as Alvarez is hitting a knee because the kick lands, he falls back, right back up, right back up, millisecond. And But if you score it the way McGregor says, three points of contact, it's foot, foot, hand. But here's what McGregor says about his knockdown quote-unquote knockdown. No, I fully ruptured my ACL the round before this. The kick almost has me put weight on that left leg. With no stability in it, I jumped to the right leg, ending up a type of pistol squat to save any weight being put on the ruptured leg, which would have caused it to crumble. And that's fine, but his previous tweet says three points of contact and no other context. So that's a knockdown if you score a knockdown like McGregor. So I don't care if you're injured. Getting injured is part of the sport. So if, if, if you score like McGregor scores, he was injured and he fe- and he was knocked down. If you score like you're supposed to score, he got kicked in the head, hit his hand on the mat, bounced right back up. Not a knockdown. McGregor can't have this both ways. 
he can't say that Alvarez knockdown is the same as his, isn't the same as his when it is. So he, he can't have it both ways. I know what he's doing. It's obvious what he's doing. He's trying to get a record. And he says, well, that's a knockdown, but that one isn't. They're both the same. I don't, nowhere in the, nowhere in the rules does it say you can't be knocked down if you're injured. No one cares. No one cares if you were injured when you got knocked down. All that anyone cares about is if you were knocked down or not. And Alvarez was not knocked down in this instant. And McGregor was not knocked down in this instant. And he said, again, three points of contact to the ground caused by a strike to the head or body. The fourth knockdown in the Eddie fight wasn't officially scored. Neither was the Habib overhand. Both of them were knockdowns, though. I'll take that one to get my most knockdowns in UFC title record. And no, he won't because they weren't knockdowns. So nice try. Ain't going to work. McGregor's next tweet after that is more interesting to me. And he said, and this is again from November 3rd, after being ignored on the three dates I put forward, three consecutive dates, I might add, would have had me at four fights this calendar year, followed them by being sidelined because no crowds in attendance. I said, fuck this and bounced four fights. This era equals 6 million pay-per-view buys. How much lost? So this leads me to question if, if, first of all, if this is true, obviously McGregor has told some stories, as has White. So if this is true, I don't know if we'll ever get the actual truth on this. But um, for the sake of argument, I'm going to assume this is true. It's a stretch, I know, but it's an assumption just for this argument. So if he asked for fights, and the UFC doesn't have to give you a fight when you ask because it doesn't. It's not contractually obligated to do that. However, it is contractually obligated to offer you a number of fights per year. And McGregor has one fight this year, and that number of fights there obligated to offer you per year isn't one and it is not dependent upon crowds being in attendance because i doubt the ufc thought of that in their contracts it it says you have to be offered a number of fights per year and dana white has said the same thing over and over we have to offer these guys a certain number of fights per year now was mcgregor offered fights or did he offer up fights either way one doesn't cut it um, so if he was denied fights when he wanted to, too bad. If he was denied fights that don't reach him, make him reach his contractually obligated number of fights that need to be offered, that's a problem. And so if he was not offered fights, what recourse does McGregor have? I would like to know because when the use you have, when you as a fighter turn down fights, they add time to your contract. And if we, we know, even, uh, if you, if you're not offered fights, the UFC is not taking time off your contract. So the question becomes then, if he was actually denied these fights, what, what recourse does he have? And I don't know. I don't know because I don't think the UFC even acknowledges this, but Conor McGregor is someone who could fight this in court if he so did choose. But I don't know if he's gonna. I mean, one, they could say the UFC's in breach of contract if, if McGregor's contract's the same as everybody else, and let's, for the sake of argument, assume it is because they did not offer him fights. And maybe that gets time knocked off his contract. Maybe that gets fights knocked off his contract. Maybe that leaves his contract void. I don't know. But it's an interesting thing. And I would like to see if McGregor does have legal options to pursue them. See how this goes. Now, you could also opt not to pursue the legal options and negotiate for more money, especially if the UFC thinks it's going to lose the court case. But again, do you do that? I would probably would go with less money if I'm not less, but the contract at least stated money and pursue the option where the contract's voided um, and then hope that that opens a door for free agency or some other negotiable things within the UFC for the fighters, the, the other fighters. Because if someone like McGregor stands up and has money to 
argue these things, maybe that's the start of a association in some way. I don't know. But we know this is a selfish business. And if it comes down to helping 500 fighters or helping yourself make a couple million dollars more, I'm going to guess Conor McGregor is going to help himself and get a couple hundred, a couple million dollars more. However, another thing to consider, McGregor's PR um, and what people think of him is pretty low. He's not a popular guy, I don't think, with most people that follow the sport closely. Casual fans probably don't know about the things he's been accused of regularly, but those inside the bubble know well. They know well what Conor McGregor has done. So if he helps other fighters, that, that changes his legacy in the mind of some. Would it change my mind? No. Now, would it be cool? Would it be helpful? Yeah, but it's not going to change my mind on him as a person. No, that's, that's established. So it's an interesting thing, and I just don't know if it's true, but it's worth following up and, and seeing you know, what Dana White has to say and see if we can figure out what's in the middle and who's telling the truth. Because if the UFC ignored its own deals, that's a big problem, a big problem. I mentioned this a little bit last week where I talked about you don't have to support a card if you don't believe it's a good card because the fighters are still going to get paid and the UFC is still going to get paid at the end of the year by ESPN. But if you don't support the card, the ratings drop. And when the ratings drop, that's when the UFC is going to need to, uh, to pick things up a little bit. And this made me wonder over the weekend with the announcement of the ESPN and Disney layoffs, are those going to have an effect on the UFC? And I think... I think they could, not in a way of layoffs because the UFC handles its own, mostly handles its own production and, and things of that nature. I don't think there's going to be layoffs because that's not an ESPN deal. The ESPN is ESPN and UFC is UFC. If there was an Endeavor round of layoffs, who knows? Dana White says no, but Dana White doesn't own Endeavor and Endeavor could tell him to do so, which means he has bosses, but that's, that's for another, another uh, day. Uh, so here's what um, Sportico wrote about the uh, layoffs. Um, could the ESPN... Blah, 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 blah. That's mine. For all that, ESPN hasn't been hit anywhere near as hard by the outbreak as have the brands housed in the, uh, Disney's other legacy divisions. After reporting a $1.96 billion loss in operating income for the third fiscal quarter, the Parks Unit in September laid off 28,000 employees. In its most recent 10Q filing with the SEC, Disney said, quote, the total net adverse impact of COVID-19 on its segment operating income was approximately $3.5 billion. Isolating ESPN's four most expensive properties, NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football playoff series, alone requires the network to cut annual checks worth $4.6 billion. Drizzle on the expenses associated with its various conference contracts and showcase tennis majors, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, and that $7.5 billion in payments that must be dished out each and every year. ESPN already forks over $1.9 billion per year for the privilege of airing Monday Night Football. Should ABC outbid Fox for Thursday Night Football? Or more to the point, should Fox move away from primetime football, having come to terms with the fact that affiliates don't find it tremendous upside in the 11-game slate? The company's annual NFL bill will be in the neighborhood of $3.2 billion. And that's before there's any discussion of how ESPN Plus will look to box out the likes of Amazon for the exclusive streaming rights, which is where the sport world and the consumer are heading. At an average carriage fee of $7.69 per subscriber per month, ESPN this year is on track to book some $7.5 billion in affiliate revenue. Nice work if you can get it, and that's billions more than any other channel on the dial can command. But given that the pay TV base is now shrinking at a rate of 8% per year in 2018, the rate, the rate of change was 
it's hard to imagine a scenario in which wired cable is still viable in 2030. So there's a lot to unpack there. A lot of numbers, a lot of information. Noticeable things are that the UFC is not among the top uh, most expensive properties for ESPN, and that's good, but that might be bad for the UFC. Why it's good for ESPN is they have all these events that they can air pretty much every weekend of the year. So that's great for content. Where it's bad for the UFC is the UFC is just lately has just been throwing out whatever on any card. And I think the ratings are have improved or at least they've stayed the same. I'm going to look at this in a little more detail. I'll follow up with that. But if they have not improved, if they've just kind of stayed flat, this is what could affect the, the, the UFC. Or if they have just improved a little, again, this could affect the UFC because of the quality of card it's putting out there while they just improved a little. So if they improve, improved a little and ESPN knows the quality of regular week, uh, the regular week end cards are not a pay-per-view, they could say, hey, you're giving us some pretty weak cards here. What, what are you going to do about that? And they could say, we want ranked fighters in the top four ESPN or ESPN club cards, or we want ranked fighters in every, every fight on the, on the, the main card. And contractually, they might be able to do that. I don't know. I haven't seen a contract. I'm sure there's a ton of details in there, but I think they have the power to um, influence the UFC's thinking because there's expected give and take here. It's not, it can't just be the UFC giving and the and ESPN taking. They, there needs to be a back and forth. And if you're giving the fans every weekend fight cards that they're burning out on because the quality's low, well then ESPN's gonna expect a little more. And when they expect a little more, the UFC is going to have to up its uh, up up the quality, and especially if the ratings are dropping, which I don't think they are. And I'm going to look that up, like I said. But if if Disney and ESPN are well, Disney, which owns ESPN, are 3.5 billion in the hole for a quarter, then that's terrible, terrible. And since the UFC is the one of the more active sports for ESPN, then they could ask for higher quality cards. Then the question becomes. Can the can the uh, can the UFC deliver those higher quality cards? Because we're seeing a lot of fighters out there who are making very low pay just because they're so new to the company. We're seeing a lot more of that than I I can recall. Whether that's because people don't want to travel because of COVID nineteen, or whether they can't travel because of COVID nineteen, or that type of thing, we are seeing weaker weaker cards. There's no denying that none. So. UFC, uh, ESPN has got to be seeing that too. And then that is where they can get some influence over ESPN, over the UFC and say, Hey, time to, uh, time to pony up some better cards while we're hurting for money. So then you're going to look to, and the reason for that is if they can get more advertisers or better advertisers, then they can make up some of that gap. Are they going to close that whole gap? Disney? No, not, no, not, not by a long shot. If they're just using UFC, but they could make a dent in it at the very least. And I, I would not be surprised if that call had already come or is getting ready to come to the UFC. But just keep a keep an eye on these cards for the, the rest of the year and see if, or the, or the start of 2021 and see if they improve in some way. I don't know. But if I was ESPN, I would find every way I could to influence the UFC and get better cards and get better ratings and get more advertisers. And not advertisers for the for the octagon, but advertisers for the TV. So that's definitely something to watch. Another thing to watch is the the deal now, because as that story said, ESPN is going to fork over a ton of money for rights deals coming up. 
Now, the UFC is obviously not one of the more expensive ones, so that's good. And ESP, ESPN Plus is already going to, is already in a streaming service, so that's better. Because like the story said, by 2030, the network thing might be uh, non-existent. So UFC will already have an inroad there with ESPN and ESPN Plus. But if you're the UFC, you don't want to lose ESPN unless something drastically changes before 20, before the new deals up with the UFC and ESPN, because you, you, ESPN is some kind of the thing you worked all the time to get on and you don't want to go back because you're pretty much the, the main mainstay of the ESPN plus. Now you don't want to lose that, especially if streaming is going to be the way to go in 2030, which it probably will be unless something new comes up. So you don't want to lose that. So, ESPN is going to probably be in a better bargaining position. It was when it first took the deal with the UFC. But then again, UFC can be hard-headed and, you know, they could also say, we're going to walk and go back to Fox or something. And if the deal's monetarily good enough, I think the UFC takes it. And then that's that. So it's going to be interesting as well to watch how those those two uh, figure out what they, where they're, where they're going to go in the future. Um, but... This is all very interesting to me, and we got a couple years to figure this all out and see where it goes. And that's all I have for this evening. Until tomorrow, everyone stay safe.